You can go where, where Brady's going. Just will cost you a lot of money. So, <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Clayton, the pastor here at Central, and I'm back, everybody. Okay, I was gone for two weeks. I was here, but I was just taking a little bit of a, a break. We always need to take a little bit of a break every once in a while. But I just want to thank Noah. He did a fantastic job uh, going in and, yeah, coming in and, and uh, helping with the, the sermon series. And so if you see Noah, give him a high five and... Um, you know, slip a 20 in his back pocket or whatever, right? So whatever uh, you, you feel God calling you to do. But thanks, Noah, for taking care of us. There you are down there. appreciate you, buddy. Uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. So today, if you have Bibles, turn to Matthew 7. If you're online with us today, I'm so glad you guys are here with us as well. You know, in the pew back, or pew back, in the seat back in front of you, there are these cards. And you want to take those, that card. There's a bunch of different QR codes. You can scan those. If you'd want prayer, right, if you want uh, to know how to give, if you also want the sermon notes, there's a QR code where you can do that. It'll immediately take you right to where you need to go so you can have the notes um, for today. But, man, I'm pumped to get going with this final message. You know, last week Noah uh, taught us, or Jesus taught us, and Noah explained it to us uh, about how we are not to judge others. We have to stop judging people and we need to ask God to help us to be able to see the issues we have in our lives, but also to give us discernment on how to, how to help other people as well. This kind of this idea of accountability, this Christian accountability, where we don't look down on other people, but we see each other as we're all equals, and we've all got issues, we've all got planks in our own eyes, and we need to live accordingly. And it was all about letting Jesus into your, your life to mold you and to shape you. And so let me just pause real quick and just speak to everyone in the room, everyone that's watching right now. Let me tell you this. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. I don't know if it's been distant, it's been really close. But let me tell you this. God is here. If you're in a car right now, God is right there with you. If you're in your living room, God is with you. He knows your name. I don't know if you like your name or hate your name, God loves your name. And he knows your name. And so this sermon that Jesus preached about 2,000 years ago is for you. Not only is it for the people who heard it first, but it's for you. It's to you, and it's because of you. The things that Jesus taught, he taught them for a reason because he knows you. He knows your tendencies. He knows your heart. And he knew exactly what to say to each one of us. And so I think that's important for us to realize that today. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to pause for a second before we jump into the sermon. And I think we need to pray. We need to pray not that we would just get some head knowledge today, but that we would truly experience the presence of God. Because when you open up his word and you study it and you read it and you let it become a part of your heart, God will show up. When we gather together, God is here with us. And so let's pray that we recognize that and let's invite him in right here today. So would you bow your heads with me for a second and let's pray. God, <clears throat> we all have stuff going on in our lives right now. And I just, I just pray, God, you would give us the ability to just kind of take a pause from all those things, take a deep breath from those things. We'll be able to really focus in on the message you have for us today. And God, that the message would not be just something that we, we take into our, our brains, but it would be something that we take into our hearts. 
and that it, we would internalize it, it would change us, it would convict us. And God, more than anything, we want you. We ask you, God, to be here right now in our midst. For those of us who are skeptical, that you would show up. For those of us who are worried and anxious, and there's so many things flooding our mind right now, I pray, God, that you would show up and give us patience and comfort. For those of us who are searching for truth, I pray that you would show up and show us that you are the capital T truth and that you would change us and make us new. God, we give you this time. We give you this message. We thank you for Jesus who spoke it, not just for them, but for us as well. And so, God, be here today and do something that we did not expect. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to finish up the series, just like Noah was talking about, on the Sermon on the Mount, which is the best sermon ever. That's what we call it around here. And if that is true, then it's going to have an incredible ending. Any great sermon is going to have an incredible ending. Just like if you were to go and watch a sports center uh, in the evening, you expect certain kinds of highlights, right, on SportsCenter. SportsCenter doesn't usually show you the beginning of a game or just the mundane middle of the game. They show you like the buzzer beater, right, or that long Hail Mary touchdown in the last seconds to win the game. Or if you're a golfing person, you like to take naps on Sunday afternoons during golf, and, and it's that chip that goes in on 18 when you're like, man, that was awesome. And th those are great, incredible endings. Those are endings that you will you'll remember the crazy endings. And the same thing goes is true for this sermon. There is an incredible ending that I want us to look at today in Matthew chapter 7. You know, one of the things that I never did growing up, played different sports and did all the normal stuff that a lot of kids do, but one of the things I didn't do is I didn't take any martial arts classes. Anybody take martial arts classes? Okay, all right, remind me not to fight you guys. Okay, so um, I, I didn't take any martial arts classes, but I saw my buddies, some of them did that. They had like the white thing on, I don't even know what it's called, and they had, they had different uh, colored belts on. I didn't really understand, but I realized that, I've learned that, that the white belt is the first belt you get. It's like the novice level. I mean, you're just a beginner, okay? So... I could beat you up, it'd be fine, no problem, okay? So, but then you progress in your, your knowledge and your understanding and your, your skills and your discipline, and you, I can't remember all the exact order, but you go from the white to, to like red and yellow and, and uh, blue and, and then like brown and all, the, all these different colors, and you eventually get to, everybody knows this, a black belt, okay? You get to the black belt, which is the master level for, for that discipline. And so you get to this mastery level, and man, you don't want to mess any, with anybody who has a, a, a black belt. And I was thinking about this. In the Christian life, how do you know if you've arrived? How do you know if you have, if you are, you have grown in your faith? How do you know if you're actually doing the things that God has called you to do? How do you know if you're living a life that, that he fashioned for you? Are you, are you missing something? Are you, are you far behind? Or are you exactly where God has called you to be? How do you know if you have grown? Another way to, to ask this would be this. Have I earned my spiritual black belt? Okay, just track with me, okay, during the sermon, okay? How, have, how do you know if you have, have you've earned your spiritual black belt? Because there's some disciplines in the, the Christian life 
that would define, get this, a mature Christian, okay? So what does it look like to be a mature believer in Christ? And today we're going to look at that. Jesus is going to teach us in the, the final part of this sermon, but there's probably the best way to illustrate it is through martial arts. And so we scoured this week through the internet. I mean, we went into the, the deep, dark places, and we found some videos that I think are going to best describe um, what Jesus has to say today. So let me show you the first one that we found right here. You don't want to know where we found that. Um, <laughs> so we're going to use these, some of these videos today to help us ex, uh, understand what Jesus is teaching today about ha- living this, this mature Christian life. And so the question today is this, how do I earn a spiritual black belt? And Jesus is going to show us in Matthew chapter 7, about halfway down, starting in verse 15. We're going to pick, off, pick up exactly where we left off from last week. And here's what he says. He says, beware of false prophets. Who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And you would say, of course not. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. He goes on to say, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so in this passage right here, Jesus is talking about false teachers. And now false teachers, or false prophets they call them back then, will come into the body of believers, come into the church, and they will act like a sheep. They will look like us. They will pretend like they are one of us. But in reality, they are a wolf. And he says, you need to be careful of those people. And then he says, hey, there's going to be a difference between them and, and, and you. They're, they're going to produce bad fruit because a good thing can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree, a bad living um, like plant can't produce a, a good thing. It's this, this opposites kind of idea that Jesus is trying to teach us right here. And so the question for us is this today, how do I earn a spiritual black belt? And here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at not the the wolves today, not these plants. We're not going to talk about that today. But I want us to talk about who Jesus is talking to. And Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to believers in Christ, and he says, beware. He says, be on guard. How do you you earn a spiritual black belt? Well, the first thing you do is you be careful. You beware, right? Right? You be alert. You pay attention to things that are not right in the church or in this world when people say that they are a believer in Christ and they're living a different way, to be careful of those things, to beware. In fact, in martial arts, there's a basic discipline. And this basic discipline is to literally be on guard through certain movements so that you can protect yourself. And watch this video that we found. Be on guard. 
Christ Quando. Okay. They're going to get worse, guys. I'm just telling you right now, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, so Jesus says to be on guard just, just like that, but not, not physically on guard, but spiritually on guard so that you can be careful when false teachers, false believers come into the church. Those are people who, who don't lead other people on that narrow road that Jesus talked about in the, the previous passage, but it's someone who doesn't teach the whole truth about Jesus, doesn't, doesn't teach the entire gospel, and they, they pick and choose certain things probably for their own benefit in a public setting. He says you've got to be very careful of those people. You know, um, several years ago when I was a student pastor back in the day, um, some of my students started attending, in my youth group, they started attending um, after our Wednesday night programming, they would go to another church they had some friends at. And there's a lot of really crazy, like energetic things that were happening at this other church. A lot of kids were showing up to it. And my, some of my kids, my core kids, wanted to go to that. And I was like, man, high five them, go have fun, you know. And then I, start, I started hearing some things about that. And I was like, you know what? One Wednesday night, when we finish our Wednesday night stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my car, drive over to this other church. And so I did that. And I went over there, and I sat in the very, very back. And I just kind of snuck in at the very back. And I just sat down, and I watched what was going on. I listened to the things that were being uh, taught up on stage. And I don't know about you, but, like, it, it was, if you ever had this experience. But I, like, these red flags started, like, going off in my spirit. It was very strange because I'm like, I'm in a church. But I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel right. And I'm like, God, is something wrong with me? Like, what's going on? And I had these, these red flags going up. It's like, it's like the spidey sense. Anybody, anybody have that? Where you see something, you hear someone, um, someone walks in the room, and you're just like, Ugh. you know, you're like, keep your kids close kind of thing, right? I mean, you're just, you're just like, you don't know what's going on. You're not really sure, but there's just this sense that something is not right. You have this uneasiness in your spirit. And I had that uneasiness, and long story short about that, I mean, we had to talk through it all, and and uh, I had to help these kids because think about these. These kids were, were young believers. They're like baby Christians. And the Bible says that when you're young, you're not going to really have this level of discernment to be to beware of things that are going on. But as you grow in your faith, you will have those things. And so I was able to, to see that when they couldn't see it. And I was able to help them in the middle of that and walk um, through that. But it's discernment. It's this level of spiritual maturity. And so that question is, how do you know if you're growing in your faith? Well, if you have this discernment, then in fact you are growing. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says. It says, but solid food is for the mature. And right before it, it was talking about how babies, they, they take in the soft food. They take in milk. But eventually we want a good steak. Amen, men? Right? Okay, so we want a steak. He says, solid food is for the mature. For those who have, get this, the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what it's saying here is that when you're growing in your faith, okay, when you're, when you're sharing your faith, when you're being discipled, when you're in the word, when you're, when you're praying, when you're worshiping, when you're serving, when you're doing all those things that as a Christian like you actually want to do, here's what's going to happen. You're going to become mature. And when you become mature, you're going to, to gain this this level of discernment that you didn't have before. And all of a sudden, you can actually begin to practice this thing that God is calling you to do, to beware of things that are not right. So when a wolf comes in and looks like a sheep, you can be like, ooh, 
something's going on. You can be on guard. But the, que- the next question is, how do you know if your spouty, spidey sense is actually accurate, okay? If you just had like a bad burrito or something. How do you know what, which one's accurate, okay? How do you know if it's true? Well, Jesus goes on and describes in Matthew chapter 7 exactly how to know if this is true or not. He says this, you will recognize them, not by their outward appearance, you will recognize them by their fruit. And you can detect a false believer, not by their appearance, but by their actions. How many guys growing up had Scantron tests? Anybody have those Scantrons? Okay, that just like triggers some people in the room here. Okay, so these Scantrons, y'all remember those? So it's like these, these narrow pieces of paper, they had all these weird markings on them because the teachers after a test would actually run them through a computer and it would grade it immediately. And if I got a bad grade, I'd be like, the computer or the machine was messed up, right? And so I was always scared when I saw these tests because I was always afraid. The very top, it always said, make sure you use a number, what? two pencil. And I was always scared I was having like a number one or number three pencil. They don't even make those, okay? So it's just every pencil is a number two pencil, I think. So I was always scared it was going to be the wrong one or the machine was going to get it. So I'm, I'm coloring those things in, you know, real tight and perfect and making sure and double checking and all those things. And you turn it in, and you're just like, ooh, I hope that, that it's going to be a good grade. And God tells us to do the same thing. He says, here's how you know if something is good or not, if they're producing fruit or not. The Bible says, test them. The Bible says to go and test them. It's actually a, a good thing. It's a biblical thing to test those that you have a little bit of a spidey sense about. Look what he says. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4. In the ESV, it says it. I, I wrote down the, or put down the NLT at the bottom, New Living Translation. But look what it says in the ESV first. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And the New Living says this. I like how it says it. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them. So how do you test to know if, even me, how do you test to know if, if what I'm saying up here is true? It's okay. Test me. Let's go. Give me the Scantron. I got a number two pencil right here. Let's go. Okay? So how do you know if what I'm saying is true? How do you know what someone online is saying? How do you know what someone on TV, on the radio, on Instagram, how do you know if they are saying uh, truth or if it's just their own version of the truth? Here's what you do. You can test them through doctrine. You can give them the doctrine test. And you answer this question. Do their words line up with the gospel? Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. That is it. Nothing else. Or are they, have they added some deadly math? You know what deadly math is? Deadly math is adding to the Bible. Or how about subtracting from what Jesus, from who Jesus says he is? How about multiplying the ways that you actually get salvation and earn salvation? Or how about dividing the church? Sometimes people will come in and they'll, they'll add to or so they'll subtract to the gospel. And then you can know, hey, there's something going on. Their, their fruit is rotten. Or you can do the, the practical test. It's this. Is there a focus on the gospel or is it on good works? Are they more like a Pharisee in the New Testament or are they more like one of the disciples? Like what is their focus? Are they focused on legalism and following these rules and all these things or are they focused on grace? You can begin to look and test them and say, is there, is there fruit good or bad? But you know what else? Jesus, I think, is saying something else to us 
in the middle of this, this passage we've been looking at about the wolves. I think he's saying this. Be careful not just for the wolves who will come in, but that you don't turn into one as well. Right? Because we can quickly turn into a wolf. We can become selfish in the church. We can become manipulative in the church. We can try to change things for our own benefit. We cannot care for other people the way that God calls us to care for people. And all of a sudden, we're not living out the way and the things that God called us to live. But instead, we become a hindrance to the gospel. And he says, be careful. So that's kind of what Jesus teaches us in, in the, the, the first part of this, this passage. But there's another discipline that Jesus teaches us. In fact, it's like a, it's more of a, a posture that as Christians, we were supposed to have. And this next passage, honestly, is some of the most terrifying scripture in all of the Bible. You've probably heard it before, but let's read it together. Here's what it says. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a little scary. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, you're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a scary thought. A thought that you can actually do ministry in Jesus' name and not be saved. And it changes from you not, from you not going, um, do I know Jesus? But actually, does Jesus know me? And how do you know if you're on the right track? How do you know? So here's the second thing. How do you earn your spiritual black belt? Number one, you be on guard. And number two, you do this. You have to be centered on Christ. This is exactly what Jesus is teaching in this passage, that we have to be centered in him. It's not about just doing a bunch of stuff, but it's actually about a relationship with him. And in martial arts, there's another discipline. It's called center line. It's where you get all your power from. And they found this video. Here's what, here's what it says. Center line. Christ Kwando. Hey, there's, sorry, I'm so sorry. I, every time I see one of those, I lose my train of thought. I don't know where I'm at. Um, but there's a lot of us. If we're not careful, we just flap our arms around. And we're doing a whole lot of ministry, doing a lot of stuff. And Jesus says, I don't know you. I don't even know you. What are you doing? What he's talking about is a relationship. When I was... In high school, I got my very first job, and I worked at Albertsons, grocery store in Texas. I'm not sure if y'all know what those are. I worked at Albertsons. I got a job. I was super excited. I went into the interview. I was super nervous. I think I wore a tie. It was weird. Okay, so I went in. I got, I got this job, and I worked in the deli. And so I just sat back there all day and sliced meat and cheeses and um, had to, like, make uh, 
all this, it was gross. I, I, there's some of this food I just can't even eat anymore, like potato salad, mm, ugh, gross, sorry. Okay, so if anybody brings you potato salad, I'm going to say, thank you, I love you, and then I'll hand it off to somebody else. Okay, so potato salad, coleslaw, I do all this stuff, it was, it was crazy. But here's, I knew my like direct supervisor, but I had no idea who the CEO was. I had no idea who was the manager of the store. Maybe I saw them once just walking by. I had no idea who they were. And so I, I began to work and work. It's like working for the man, right? And you're just working, and you're not really sure who you're even working for. And as Christians, sometimes even false Christians can begin to work and work and work. And you do a whole lot of things, and you don't even know who you're working for. That's the difference between between working at an Albertsons like that, working for the man, and actually having this, this relationship with Jesus. So how do we know if we have a real relationship? Or when he talks about real faith, how do we know if we have that? Is there evidence to show that you actually are saved? And guess what? There is, okay? In that passage, he talks about something, and it's the obedient life. If you want to know if you are saved, the question is, are you obedient to his teachings? In fact, that's exactly what he says. Look back at this, at this passage in verse 21. He says, not everyone will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? Not the one who, who volunteers for VBS, right? Not the one who, who uh, is a Sunday school teacher. Not the one who has perfect attendance. Not the one who ties. He says, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What he's talking about is obedience. And now obedience is evidence that you actually have a real relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So let me say this again. Obedience is evidence of a relationship. And on the flip side, he talks about disobedience is evidence that there's something wrong with the relationship. There's something wrong with it. So Jesus teaches us that these mature believers, as mature believers, you must be centered in Jesus. Have a, a deep relationship. You, you can't earn your way to Jesus. You have to have that relationship with him. So that's the second thing he teaches us. But look at this final lesson that he teaches us, starting in verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, they'll be like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. And then he gives us the reverse of that in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. It was bad. And great was the fall of it. This gives us our third principle for today. How do you earn your spiritual black belt? How do you grow? How do you mature in your faith? For one, you, you be on guard. Two, you're, you're centered in Christ. But the third way is you have to be balanced on the rock. You have to be balanced. And in martial arts, there is one more principle that I want to call your attention to. It's this principle called kazushi. In fact, it's not really a principle. It's just this warning to not be out of balance. Because if you get out of balance when you are in a fight, bad things are going to happen just like this.
か寿司クライスト・クワンド messed up and you kick a guy when he's down, okay? <laughs> you know, let's look back at this, at this verse. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. You get that? There's first you got to hear the teachings of Jesus, but then you actually have to do the things that he calls you To do. It's talking about obedience. He says you have to do both of those. You'll be a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he says there's another way the people who hear the word, but then they actually don't do it. And he says a wise person is like someone who builds their house on a rock, and a foolish person is someone who builds their house on a sand. Let me explain this a little bit further. Every one of us has a rock or a, a foundation in our lives that we try to to put all of our hopes and all of our dreams on. We try to stand on that, and we say, this is what brings significance in my life. And I think there's four basic foundational rocks that we try to stand on. And I'm telling you what, three of them are bad, and one of them is solid. But let's look at these real quick. Up on the screen, there's four foundations. The first one is reason. For a lot of people, it's, it's this idea of, um, I think, therefore, it is true. It's, this, it's, this, it's about um, intellectualism. The intellectual who says, my truth is based off of my knowledge and understanding. So they spend their lives pursuing this truth in that, and hoping that it will bring them fulfillment in this life. They can explain everything, even the supernatural, or explain away God with their intellect as if they are smarter than a holy and mighty God. And a lot of people in our culture, they spend their lives building a foundation on that as if it is a rock. But it is sand. The second way is with experience. This is a big one for today where I feel something, therefore it is true. And you can feel another way, and that brings truth to you. And you can feel another way, and that is your truth. But based off of my experiences, my emotions, then that is truth for me. And what do we all know about emotions? <laughs> Man, they're all over the place, aren't they? Some days I love you, some days I hate you, right? Okay? Sometimes I love that thing, sometimes I hate that thing. Our emotions flip-flop a lot. Here's a third one. I think this is one that might hit close to home for a lot of people, even for me. This, this idea of tradition. This idea that I have always done this this certain way. And the reality is what that does, it brings comfort. Think about it. Why do you keep doing the same thing, same routine all the time? Because it brings comfort to us. Why are we hesitant to change? Why are we hesitant to, to risk things in this life? And the reason is, is because we pursue comfort more than anything. Think about it. The decisions you make, the career that you have, the house that you have, the car that you drive, the, the way you spend your money, the vacations you go on, everything is not for discomfort. No one does something for discomfort. Everybody does things for comfort. I've always done it this way. Therefore, I am going to stake my life on this. I'm not changing for nothing, right? I'm not changing at all. A lot of us spend our lives doing that when just perhaps God has something bigger in store. But it takes having an actual solid foundation, which is the fourth one, which is on revelation or the word of God or God says in his word, therefore, 
I'm going to trust that. You know what that is? That's actually, it's all about being humble. Having humility and realizing that, you know what? God knows more than I do, okay? So I'm not going to stake my understanding on my smarts, okay? I'm going to trust him. My emotions are squirrely. You know, the Bible says, do not trust your heart because your heart's going to change. It will deceive you. So I'm not going to base my, my life on how I feel in the moment. And you know what? I'm not going to base my, my life on these things that, I, that my pursuit of comfort. I am going to, to take risks for the gospel. I'm going to go and share my faith when it hurts, when it's uncomfortable, when it might change my day up a little bit. You know what? When I might get rejected. Who likes rejection? <laughs> yeah, no one. No one likes rejection. But Jesus asks, will you be rejected for me? Will you make those hard decisions? Will you base your life on this foundational rock, which is called Jesus, okay, and his word? Look at these two main verses one more time. Kind of describes them. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does them, they'd be like a man who built his house on the rock. So those who, who base their life on this revelation of, of, of God in the Bible. And then he says, the flip side, those who hear again but do not do them are like someone who builds their house on a sand. And Jesus is asking us something today. He's asking us, how will you respond to my teaching? That's really how he ends the whole sermon. So this sermon, man, guys, this has so much stuff. And, man, we had to go through it really fast. Can't believe we did it in six weeks. It was crazy. But we could, we could still be like on the Beatitudes, I promise you, okay, right now, um, at the very beginning. But he asks at the end, he says, how will you respond to my teaching? The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, don't just hear the word, but what? Be doers. Don't just hear it, but, but be doers. If you just hear it and you don't actually do it, then he, the Bible calls you a foolish person. In fact, Jesus calls you a fool as well, which is kind of harsh, but that is the truth. And so it's a, the difference between having this firm foundation and having this failing kind of foundation. And where you plant your feet matters, guys. Where you have your balance matters. Why? Because Jesus says a storm is coming. We know all about storms, don't we, in Oklahoma? What happens when a storm comes? From my house, I got to go strap down the trampoline, okay? I go get some straps, and I crank it down into some stakes in the ground because I can just imagine it flying up, you know, and hitting power lines and be bad for everybody. So I want to get prepared and get ready, okay? And, and Jesus says there is a storm coming, and there's a storm coming for everybody. And when we think about storms, we also usually think about, like, like cancer diagnosis. Or when you check your, your balance in your bank account and it says zero, you're like, hmm, or negative, you're like, what happened? That's a storm, you know? Or when you, you have a, a loss of a loved one, that is a storm in your life that, that's hard to get over. Or you lose your job. When there's tragedy in this life. Now, those are storms, and those are legitimate storms, but I don't even think that's the storms that Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus, he's really talking about this final and utterly destructive storm. And that storm is the future judgment of God. And what he's saying is, is if you base your life on your brain power, if you base your life on how you just feel in the moment, if you base your life on just living for comfort, when that day arrives, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be in big trouble. Jesus says, hey, I promise you, if you base your life on me, 
and I'm their foundation, and when those, that storm comes, you're going to be able to stand. Not based off the things that you've done, but based off of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says we'll cover over your sins and wash you white as snow. And when you're in front of God on judgment day, he's going to ask you, why should I let you in? And you plead the blood of Jesus who has covered my sin. Not based on the good things I've done, but based off of what he has done. That is the gospel message. Let me ask this question. Will you be ready when that day comes? All of us think we got time. And the sad reality is there's people in this room who think they're ready. You think your feet are firmly planted on Jesus. But in reality, you're just flailing your arms around. And you're trying to balance on your toes, trying to do this ministry and all these good things, hoping that in them and through them, you actually find fulfillment and life and actually earn your way into a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't know you. Now, don't think he says that in like a, a negative, harsh way. I think he's weeping. He's like, I don't know you. I want to know you. But I don't know you. And Jesus is saying, you're not ready, guys. You're not ready. Just listening to Jesus' words, the Bible says that's not enough. Just superficially following Jesus and doing good things, the Bible says that's not enough. And actually, here's the hardest one. Having this casual and comfortable Christian Christianity, this Americanized version of Christianity, Jesus says that is not enough. you got to be sold out for me. You see, Jesus, he preached this sermon, not so that we would think he's a really smart guy. He preached this sermon, this whole long sermon, to call us to obedience. He calls us, at the very end, to obey him. And look what happened at the very end of this, of this sermon. So Jesus finishes. I'm not sure exactly how he finished the sermon, you know, when, when Matthew recorded this, it's probably a lot, lot longer. Um, in fact, it's probably some of the highlights that, that Matthew has. But we can, you know, expect here's how Jesus ended the sermon. He finished and said, all right, let's say our purpose statement together. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Didn't say that. Okay. So I'm um, just going to throw that in there. Um, but so, you know, he probably didn't say that, but, but he finished his sermon and look what happens. Look how people respond. It says, and when he finished these sayings, the crowds, they were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Not the ones that think they have authority and act like they have authority. There was something different about Jesus. The message says it this way, that the crowd burst into applause. Like a standing ovation. They were like, they couldn't, they couldn't believe what Jesus had just taught. They were blown away by all of his teachings. And we've gone through a lot of teachings over the, the last six weeks. And if you've missed some of those sermons, go back and watch them on Facebook or, or YouTube. Just go, go and check those out, okay? You can get the notes online still. Go and watch those sermons. And I also say this even more. If you haven't read through the Sermon on the Mount, go and read it. Take you 14 minutes to read it. Tell you what, there's some serious calls of God in there. Jesus says, I am calling you to this. And his question to finish up everything is this. Will you obey me? Will you obey me? Or will you just... Listen to it as if it was just good stuff and good teaching. And you walk out of here and you're like, 
That was a good message today, you know? Or will you be changed? Jesus says, will you obey me? You want to know how you get your spiritual black belt? Obey him. When he says to do something, trust that he has your best interest in mind. And he has the glory of God in mind. He says, do it. Trust me. I've got you. This is the life that created you to live. And when you do that, when you live that kind of life, then you're living, the best, living out the best sermon ever. You're living out this sermon on the mount. But the question again is, will you obey? If you will, you'll never be the same. Never be the same. Let's pray. Father, you are a good and holy God who we can't even fathom and understand. And you called us to something higher. So God, I pray for people in this room. There might be someone who does not know you. And that's a scary place to be, to one day die and be at the judgment and that storm is coming and to realize that you've spent your whole life building sandcastles. And Jesus says, you've done some great things. You've been a good person. You didn't come to church, but I don't know you. That is the most tragic thing in this world, to die apart from Jesus, to be separated from a holy God for all of eternity in hell, and that, that is terrible news. But there is great news, that Jesus, you died on the cross for us, and you rose from the grave, and you conquered sin and death, and you paid our price of all of our sin, and you ask us to repent and turn to you, and so I pray if anyone is in this room who doesn't have that relationship and they realize that they're on sand, that today the Holy Spirit, you would convict them. They would turn from their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And they would go and tell somebody today. They'd be baptized. They would join and be a part of a growing body of believers. Meaning to live the life that, that you've called them to live. How beautiful would that be today? Jesus, we, for most of us in this room, we come to you as your, your kids, as your followers, as your disciples. And we confess that a lot of times we're not growing. We're not protecting our theology. We aren't taking in that, that meat. We've been following after you for decades and we're still sucking off the bottle you call us to something more and you call us to be centered on you not to just do a whole lot of stuff but to actually have a deep relationship with you help us God convict us show us where we're off there's no shame in that there's just change the real shame is to know that you need to change and not do anything about it so God, I pray for those in this room who are like that, that you would help, help them, help all of us. And Jesus, we pray that you'd help us to be balanced on your, the foundation of your word, that our lives would be based off of you, not the things of this world. And ultimately, yes, we can, we can deal with things going on, tragedy in this life and have hope, joy, 
despite our circumstances, but God, at the end of our days, that we can stand before the throne of God and say, I plead the blood of Jesus. My foundation is him. And we look forward to those words where you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or in other words, I know you. Help us, God, to grow. Thank you for this Sermon on the Mount. It's challenging, but God, you call us to obey. Help us to obey your teachings, all of them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, they're just finishing up service in there, and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org, and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember, as we go out into the world, that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.